What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Performance Society podcast. I'm your host, Coach B. In this podcast, we'll be talking to coaches, professional athletes, and other fitness professionals about their training, personal stories, and how sports have impacted their lives. In this podcast, we will talk about their successes, their failures, and their evolution as an overall professional. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. On today's episode, I'm interviewing professional strongmen Nick and Casey. They run a gym called the House of Power out of Westminster, California. These guys have their hands into everything sports performance related. And I wanted to get their opinions about sports nutrition and kind of go into depth about uh, general fitness, you know, diet fads, and eating for performance. Um, these guys, like I said, are professional strongmen. They have a wide range of knowledge when it comes to nutrition. They train bikini competitors and professional baseball players. They also have their hands in collegiate sports, and they also coached a high school state champion in the 100 meters, 200 meters. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, thanks guys for joining me. I'm with Nick and Casey at the House of Power. These are two of the smartest guys I know, and I often refer to them for advice for my track and field team, my personal fitness, and anytime I want to just die on a workout and I come here and let them punish me. So today we're going to talk about uh, diet fads, eating for performance, and basically the recommendations for uh, getting bigger or leaning out, whatever you know people prefer. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, so first thing I want to talk about is what's been blowing up the internet as far as nutrition goes is the keto diet. And anytime I go on YouTube for some reason, it always pops up, the keto diet, um, I wasn't too sure how it works, so I looked it up a little bit, and it's basically cutting out all carbs. I guess you get 50 grams of carbs a day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just, so, just about. Yeah, just and, about. I mean, and the fat intake is, I, I would say for them, it it has to be over 70% of your nutrition is in fat. Okay. In, for it to be, in order for it to be true keto, right? Yeah. Right, And that's what a lot of people, me and Nick, usually run into. We're like, that's not keto, what you're doing. Just carb backloading or things like that, you know, where they reintroduce the carbs. So, so what what do people do on that diet for like, like Asian people, right? I eat a lot of rice, so I'm just like I cut that completely out of brown rice. Like how do how do you? I don't know. That's that's how I know how to eat, right? It's like rice, vegetables, protein. Well, you're an athlete, also. So yeah. I, I mean, it, it it all depends on, you know, will it fit your needs? Is it going to be beneficial for you? And um, for a lot of people out there from a health perspective, general public, I would say it, it really is. Uh, it does have um, benefits to it, but also it needs to be taken in consideration is it's not something you should necessarily do long term either. Yeah. Yeah. So when if they're having the right cuts of proteins, that's the biggest thing. So like a lot of people do this based not based off of performance, but based off of weight loss and aesthetics. At least that's how it's most popularized like on the social media platform. So when these guys go to hit their normal numbers or if they're going to participate in whatever sport that they have, they often feel that uh, they're not as snappy. They may feel like their conditioning is there, but they're not as snappy or powerful as they're used to being. So like the simple thing of getting a filet mignon versus like a ribeye, you would want to choose the ribeye because it has more fats in there. So it's easier for you to hit that, that number of being in excess of 70%. And, if you, my biggest thing is I don't want to limit my protein intake. I'd rather have an abundance because with me cutting out the carbs or the athlete, they need to be able to convert whatever excess protein they can into yeah. uh, glucose, right? So uh, that's another thing that the liver is capable of doing uh, to fulfill the need of the athlete if they need to. Okay. So you, 
would you recommend keto for like a division one athlete? Like a sprinter, what, like what, a sprinter in track and field. No, no, no. Just because there's not enough carbs for them to get what they need. The, yeah, because you're, you're adding another process into uh, making their energy system efficient. Okay. You know, I, a lot of the clean eating is not just for changing them aesthetically or, or performance wise. It's also making sure that their system is working, not working as hard to get the fuel source that they need. Okay. Right. So it's that whole thing of the, the rest and digest. So, for instance, uh, if me and Case are competing, uh, we're going for an excess of five hours and we may have 30 minutes to 90 minutes in between another event. Well, if we were to eat something and we're sitting for that long, we're going to rest and digest, right? We're not using the right system. So what we'll use is fast acting uh, carbohydrates okay. to fulfill that. So we're not having our fats at that point in time. We're not necessarily trying to recover, reduce inflammation, but we use things that burn fast, simple, like, like a simple carb, but is bonded like a complex carb. Okay. One of those. Yeah. So in regular people talk, they want something that's fast acting, which is a carb because that burns first in the energy system mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for a sprinter. Yes. And then a fats, which is secondary. And then once you start dipping into your proteins, that's when you get in trouble. Right. And the keto is more fats and proteins, so they don't get the carbs. Right. That they need to be efficient right. in their sport. Correct. They're right. going to feel cool. flat and they're going to look flat too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have Curtis uh, Gooden when we were training him uh, back when you know, he was at Modern Day and then eventually UCLA, but he would take glucose tabs in between events, okay. um, bananas and other fruits and things like that. And if he had enough time, uh, usually you know, like hours in between you know events, we would have him have uh, like a burrito, okay. you know, a lot of meat and a lot of uh, rice. That, you don't think that's like heavy for them to run? Like maybe... You're done with the one, and then you have the 200 like five hours later, and then you have the four by four hour after that. If, if five hours, absolutely. absolutely, that's plenty of time for him to. He's gonna be walking around. He's going to metabolize it a lot. I mean, an athlete like that is yeah. metabolic. You have to think these are D one athletes. The metabolisms are probably pretty fast. Yeah. So right. five hours between a, 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 from one event to the next, that's a lot of time. You better get a really nutrient dense meal down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A protein shake's not gonna cut it. Yeah, you're right. I had a nutritionist who. He would say, no matter what time you race, you wake up seven hours before your event and you eat the biggest meal of the day and the rest of the day you like continue to just snack. I think that was Curtis's favorite part too, was uh, in the mornings, I would say pancakes or waffles and he would just go ham, yeah. bacon, eggs, and he would just crush the biggest breakfast. Then he'd, he'd text us, oh, I don't feel so good. I'm so bloated. I feel t- I'm heavy. You know, I don't know. And then by the time he warmed up and did everything, he felt amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the thing. What, what do you guys think of people who do intermittent fasting and then do the keto diet on top of that or any other diet? Like, do you think so? Intermittent fasting is you go with 12 to 14 hours without eating anything, and after that, you just eat whatever you want within an eight hour window, right? Or 10 hour window? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, not Essentially, sure. I've seen people go even further, 15 hours. Yeah, I don't. They're so. Would you be competing competing during this fast, or would you still eat and then like break that fast and then hit your competition? Because if, if we're talking about like optimal performance wise, obviously the fast is not going to do you any justice. Okay. But if we're talking about a simple athlete training uh, through that fast and just from their work week, their recovery, it's been shown that you actually have a protein rebound to where you can absorb 
more out of that particular meal than if you weren't even fasted at all. So if you're trying to make sure that the athlete is reducing inflammation, right, the intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting is one of those aspects of where it does benefit inflammation and and weight loss and make sure that they're optimizing their uh, their protein yeah. um, conversion, then that's where it's, it's, it may be optimal. But for game day, that's not going to be yeah. the best. So for performance-wise, you would not recommend on game day, but throughout the week leading up to game day, not mm-hmm. so bad. Correct. Okay. And then what about like a normal, like I just want to, I'm on a diet. I want to lose, you know, 10 pounds. I want to get ready for summer. Would you guys recommend intermediate fasting and, or would you just say eat a normal balanced diet and don't worry about <sighs> your time schedules and stuff like that? Well, are we, are, who are we talking about here? What kind of person? Yeah. We're, we're just ab- talking about your, athlete, your, 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 no, your, your average Joe who works their nine to five, who wants to look good on the beach like what do you what, what and that's the whole point for? of a lot of these diets yeah. these, these fad diets you know and i wouldn't say fad but um intermittent you know keto these are more for people who have uh health issues mm-hmm. more more so than um you know aesthetics or performance based mm-hmm. so um for average joes yeah you know uh intermittent fasting might not be a bad idea it depends on the person again if they have like some autoimmune disease like you know, we have a, we had a fellow who was a firefighter who had uh, Cushing's, and he was doing intermittent fasting, and uh, he started having. At first, everything was fine, but then he started having some complications out of that. He went and got tested, and you know, it, he was kind of off the charts there. So he mm-hmm. really had to uh, uh, get a, get back away from that and just get back to eating. You know, every three four hours like we had him before. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, speaking of health issues. I noticed a lot of people, especially after the Game Changer documentary, start going vegan. And now all of a sudden, everybody is gluten intolerant and they can't eat meat anymore because it hurts. My mom is Buddhist, and but she's from Korea where they eat a lot of beef. And she's eaten beef her whole life. In the past couple of years, she's went vegetarian because she says it hurts her soul. So I understand the... The, the personal reason to go yeah, yeah. vegan, but as mm-hmm. far as to go vegan to health-wise, what do you guys think about that trend and what everybody's doing now? Because there's been a now that there's more numbers being recorded that like, oh, if you eat beef, this and that, right? If you go vegan, it saves you here and here. Mm-hmm. Right? But mm-hmm. I'm not 100 sure what to say when, I, when people when athletes come up to me and they're like, coach, I'm going vegan now. I'm like. I don't know too much about that. I wouldn't recommend it because you need the proteins and yeah, yeah. you're you know, a college athlete. You're not going to be able to prepare food the way you want to prepare food. There were a lot of myths and a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of false information in uh, that documentary. Okay. They either A, didn't provide um, counter information or didn't provide all of the information. So there was a lot of things that were uh, either left out, like I said, or just, you know, um, they just didn't, they, there was no comparison either. So, uh, the whole thing about athletes not getting injured and things like that and stronger, uh, connected tissue and bones, that was complete, uh, garbage. That yeah, it's just, it's just too biased. That's a way too yeah, biased. Yeah. And you can tell it was just nothing but propaganda, just the way, the way it was, uh, done. Yeah. But, um, no, we and Nick, we talked about that. We've talked to multiple people about it and just to get, it, it was very convincing, Let's put it that way. It was convincing, but um, if you knew even half of, um, you know, the real facts, you you would know right away that there's no way in heck that that was uh, true. Nick could probably elaborate a lot more on that. Well, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, one of the main ingredients for heart health and something that that should be 
prescribed along with any other, you know, statin or, or anybody else that has a, a heart disease is CoQ10. And then, like, if you're not going to get that from eating Brussels sprouts, you're not going to have that general overall health. And this is the biggest thing is they're talking about the fats and, and saturated fats. That The correlation to them is they're, they're making heart disease as the biggest thing. Yeah. Not just obesity. They're talking about, you know, heart failure. And you're not going to get a healthy heart from eating vegetables. You're not giving it the nutrients that it needs to perform well. And Why is that? Because the heart is a muscle and it needs... Exactly. It, it, CoQ10 is one of the things. So everything has an energy system and a source that it, it derives that energy from. Yeah. Uh, and in meats in particular, uh, let's just go, if we're saying certain cuts of meats are going to have certain uh, density of aminos. Yeah. And one in particular, if you have a heart problem and you're trying to go from a health uh, perspective, you eat heart because it has the necessary nutrients for you. Um, and it has to do with electrical system. Um, that's why some of these people end up getting AFib. Uh, they get anxiety because they're not supplying themselves with the right nutrients uh, for their heart to function properly. I never you know. thought of that. Yeah. So, I mean, you have, uh, you know, a couple different nodes in the heart also the, and that correlate to what's called the bundle hiss. And this all has to do with the, the firing of the ventricles properly. And when you have a valve that's misfiring, that's an AFib, usually it comes down to a nutrient problem. You know, and what the doctors will do is they will uh, give you something that regulates blood pressure. They will tell you, hey, uh, they'll give you something that, that regulates your anxiety. They'll give you like a Xanax or something like that. So you're just not so anxious. Uh, and it really steers these guys in the wrong direction. And they think, okay, from a nutritional standpoint, no meats, no fats, because that's how my cholesterol got high. And then they end up going to more vegetables. Um, which they are not all bad. They have a purpose, but uh, you're talking about these companies that invest into vegetarians and, yeah. and the, the, doc, the documentary. These are oil, vegetable oil-based companies that are investing into this. I heard it was a, a pea farmer who mm -hmm. invested into this Game Changers documentary. Yeah, and they're, they're also known peas are also known to have the best amino complex as far as the vegetable goes. Okay. So you'll see uh, powdered proteins. Yeah. I just, I tell my athletes all the time, I'm like, look, eat lean cuts of meat mm -hmm. and vegetables. The reason why people go vegan and all of a sudden they're a little bit more healthy because their vitals is they probably don't eat vegetables. And when you go vegan, that's all you're eating. So no matter what, you're going to clean yourself out and kind of like reset, right? So I understand going vegan for a little bit, um, for some people, maybe it makes sense. But for athletes, I, I, in my personal opinion, I wouldn't recommend it. But what yeah. about for your average Joe again in everyday life? I know the, you know, India, everybody's like 90% vegetarian over there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and they and seem to live a long time. But now uh, one of my friends was telling me that a lot of his family members over there are, are suffering from diabetes from all the, you know, they eat a lot of bread. The, are, them in particular... Um, have the lowest rate of uh, like tumors, brain uh, issues, but the, it depends on, like you're saying, we refer certain vegetables for our athletes for performance because of what they have in there. Uh, but for them, their big uh, thing is uh, turmeric. Okay. So it's big on uh, it's anti-inflammatory and it's big on brain health. So it actually suppresses the growth of brain tumors. So for them, they do have 
something from a health perspective, like, hey, what do they do right? Why are they living so long? Yeah. They have a, they have very good brain health. You know, I like it. I like it. So, moving on to eating performance, we talked about a little bit, and especially like with my athletes. What about your guys as athletes? So, would you would you recommend a pure weightlifter like yourselves? Uh, I, obviously. Well, you guys do strongman, so you do a little bit of everything, pulling planes and mm-hmm. semis and all that stuff. Would you recommend that same diet for a sprinter? Just not the same calories, but yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that goes for majority of athletes out there, mm-hmm. baseball, football. There's no reason why. So any sport all... that has explosiveness. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, you're, you're going to want to have the, the, that. The only difference is going to be is how much they're eating. You know, a sprinter is not going to need a hundred and seventy-five pound sprinter is not going to need to eat as much as a three hundred pound strongman. You know, I mean that's just logic. Yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they all should be eating the same things because it's all geared towards performance. What about this little off topic of nutrition, but weightlifting? Would you recommend them doing Olympic weightlifting? Yeah, kind of the same thing yeah. as far as explosiveness. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's not going to hurt them. So from a strongman to a football player to a basketball player to a sprinter. What about distance runners? What what kind of diet would you recommend distance runners eating? Uh, just purely performance for them to not get hurt and to last, you know, those 100-mile weeks that they're putting in over a span of six months. What, what would you guys recommend? I mean, they're, we're going to want to put carbohydrates in there. Okay. Um, and even some vegetable selection in there, but we would prioritize a lot around uh, potassium and magnesium uh, and their salt intake. So they're, for them, like in season, obviously we're, we're in maintenance, so we're trying to not have any muscle atrophy and make sure that they're not getting bound up in tight. So the we couldn't do something like a keto for a long distance runner. And the reason being is because if they're not having the carbs, they're not going to have the opportunity to retain as much water as they need to to stay hydrated for that long of a period of time. Yeah. So we will do the white rice. We'll do the sweet potato. Sweet potato mainly because it's high in potassium. If we do vegetables, it will be uh, bell peppers and spinach would be carrots. the main ones. Carrots. Carrots. Yes. Uh, why, why carrots? Well, carrot, carrots, bell peppers, and um, spinach are all very high in potassium. That's what we're trying to tackle. We can't get that as in an abundance and as easily in meats. So we'll use that uh, to, to supplement them so they don't cramp up. Okay, cool. Potassium and sodium are huge. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. And, and just for general theory, most people do not get even half of the uh, daily amount of potassium they should. Should be what? Was it like 2,400? No, it was even more than that. I think it was, uh, no, it was 5,600 milligrams of potassium. You would need pretty much a whole entire bag of spinach a day to meet uh, the daily requirement. So over 90% of people are deficient in a period. Wow. Yeah. All right. And sodium too. Sodium gets a bad rap. And we have, you know, there's guys out there like San Efferdine and a few others who are, you know, advocates of Mm -hmm. of salt. And I know for me personally, I remember I was a few years ago, I was having a really bad training day. My whole body was hurting and Nick comes up to me and I'm like, just bitching at him. I'm like, Nick, (laughs) I'm dying right now. Everything hurts. What? I mean, he's like, what did you eat? He's like, yeah. He's like, did you have any salt? I was like, no. And then he goes, take a tablespoon of salt. Took a tablespoon of salt with my, um, because I also was taking a a pre-workout, so I had caffeine. But um, that was probably another reason I was real stiff and joint nakey. But I took the tablespoon of salt, and no joke, 15 minutes later, I felt amazing. Amazing. Nothing hurt. I uh, 
had to finish with the best workout I had that whole week, you know, and ever since then, been taking salt uh, before every training, uh, heavy, especially heavy training sessions, and it's been huge for me. They used to do that for like racehorses too, right? They used to get like salt tabs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then, one second, bud. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, if you had to recommend like a diet for a distance runner, say they're on the go, they have practice at seven o'clock in the morning, they wake up at like six. What would you recommend they eat before they go on a 14 mile run? How long do they have before they're they're going on the run? So if they're waking up at six, they'll eat probably what, six ten, and then from there they'll go to their trail, they'll do their drills, they'll do the warm-up run. So I would say probably around like seven thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So an hour and a half after they wake up. I'm okay if they have the white rice. It's very it's it's pretty readily available. Um, they can have oats as well. Uh, but they do have protective barriers, like starch protective barriers. So it takes, we don't want to delay the absorption of anything, right? So, so if they're going to have the rice, it has to be hot. And if they're going to have the oat, the oats, it has to be either hot or pre-soaked the night before, okay. you know, and then that way it's readily available. and It's not going to weigh them down. A lot of people that have oatmeal in the morning, they'll have the, the, the two packets or whatever, the half a cup and it weighs them down, yeah. you know? So I like to do the oats when it's pre-soaked the night before. So it's more readily available, not weighing them down. What a- what is about a you know a sprinter? What would you recommend to eat a morning of a meet or a night before a track meet? The night before, I I like them the carbo load, like sweet potatoes, like the, they'll do. Rice, yeah, it could rice. be mm-hmm. sweet potatoes, rice. Um, just that whole day should be just be crushing food. Okay. Um, we still do that with all of our athletes. We, we give them a, a, a kind of a peaking so to speak, a uh, meal plan, and they just, a lot of it is carbohydrates and then a lot of red meat. All right. Red meat before you sprint? I was always told that it's really hard to digest. It, it's very true, but like with our guides, uh, they're predominantly red meat. And the, the, the reason why it's For hard. For strongmen. Well, you know, well, even period, even period. Okay. So, so there's an adaptation. And, and this is, the, maybe this is just where we're at now, but our food selection is so diverse here. Yeah that our HCL is like mediocre. Okay. But if you eat the red meat continuously, it takes about three to four days for your, your stomach to adapt to where it needs like, hey, we need to raise the HCL. So for us, we break down red meat way easier than the common person. We eat three to five pounds a day. Right. So so and it goes like this. And and it didn't just start off like, hey, I can eat five pounds a day. No, it, it probably goes up by our tri-weekly to where we're like we're reassessing. We're like Okay, we can have more per serving, or we can add another meal for that day. You know, that's no digestive issues. Um, I got my blood labs back; everything was fine. Um, so, from a health standpoint, I told my doctor what I mean here, and he was just like, "Oh, that's going to come back and bite you." I'm just like, "Okay, doc, you you keep yeah. deadlifting and and just eating all that uh, all right. crap." If you right. want to see what these guys look like, go to Instagram House of Power. They're both over six five, three hundred plus pounds. So, and they're not. Like big guys, they're rock solid, like giants. So uh, I'm gonna listen to whatever they're telling me to eat. Uh, I'm gonna do the same thing because they perform well and they look good. So, so as far as getting away from sports performance and the fad diets and everything like that, what would you recommend to the average person as far as like, hey, summer's coming up. I see all these personal training ads come up on you know the podcast mm-hmm. or 
radio or news or TV or whatever, and they're like, get your summer body back for $29.99 at the gym, you know, but everybody knows it's mainly diet. Well, not everybody, yeah, but yeah. people in the fitness industry know it's mainly diet. So would you recommend any of those diets short-term, or would you just recommend somebody picking up like a lifestyle and just eating healthy? Like what would you guys recommend? You know what? That, that That's so true because yeah. – I don't want to prescribe anything for anyone uh, that cannot be a lifestyle because not everybody, people can be motivated, but not everybody is like eternally driven, you know, and uh, I mean, yeah, you know, and that's perhaps that's the main thing, you know, that you need for success is understanding you need to be self-driven. But when I'm taking somebody that's like coming to me in in that mindset, I'm like, all right. I'll motivate them at first. I'll give them something they can handle, and then as ser- as I see them more invested, more serious, perhaps I'll I'll be a little bit more detailed and refined, you know. But what I'll say is, I like to keep fats right about thirty percent. I feel like that's enough to keep up hormonal production uh, for for especially for females. Uh, not be stored as fat and actually still be used as uh, a source of fuel. Yeah. Um, I like to have the the protein intake as close to fifty percent as possible. If and I'll put the carbs right around twenty percent. This is for general weight loss, but maintaining health, right? Yeah. So most of hormonal function is has and to do with the fats. Macros you're, you're counting on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if we wanted to like say a caloric intake, I was going to ask you, caloric intake obviously is going to have to be. Yes. So, so this can is you where explain to the listeners what macro and caloric intake and everything is. So yeah. Get so an idea of what. Sure. 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 Um, I'll go ahead and finish that sentence, and then we'll wrap. We'll wrap it up, but. 30% of your caloric intake per day is going to be fats, right? So uh, then you have the proteins. That would be 50% of your caloric intake. And then we would go 20% uh, of your caloric intake would be carbohydrates. Okay, now how uh, – what number in calories is that going to be? Well, proteins and carbs are 4 calories per gram and fats are 9. Uh, side note, alcohol is actually 9 as well. So you got that there. Um, I were to say generally someone's resting metabolic rate that like where they maintain their body weight at is take your body weight, multiply it by about 15. And that's going to be like, Hey, if I want to sustain my weight, that's where I'm at. Okay. I'm good. If I want to lose, then you're probably gonna be closer to 13. And if I want to lose in a certain time frame, that's where you're going to make up your deficit, whatever it's going to be. Right. So generally, you know, a pound is, I believe, 35 to 3,600 uh, calories. And then you're say, hey, if I want to lose four pounds in 30 days, then that's going to tell you what kind of deficit you need to, you know, yeah. make that happen. Okay. All right, man. That's a, that's a lot of calculations. Mm-hmm. We'll go back over a little later and kind of, you know, go from there. It should be said, though, a lot of these places, when they have that, you know, the whole salute, you know, get that summer body back, all <laughs> that crap. Um, a lot of those places, kind of a catch-22, because a lot of them, what they do is they just put you into extreme caloric, you're really deficit. caloric deficit, yeah. really drop it. I mean, I'm talking under, for a lot of the women, under a 1,000 uh, calories, and um, they don't eat red meat. They usually prescribe white meat um, and not the most nutrient-dense foods, uh, in my opinion, but they put them on a meal prep program or something like that, and here's the thing. Yes, it works, but... Um, on the side, they're not healthy, they're not strong, um, and a lot of them, 
they yo-yo. You know, they go up and down. Purely so, aesthetics is what you're... Well, it, it's aesthetics, but it's also, I mean, uh, even performance aside, you're, 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 you're not going to feel that great. Yeah. You know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to like the way you look in the sense of, you know, you've lost the weight, you know, and for a lot of people just seeing that number on the scale go down, that's all they care about. Um, but, uh, they're going to lose muscle mass, um, during that. And some girls don't even care about that. Oh, that's fine with me. But, um, for a lot of, I've had girls come in and we've tested their body fat and guys. And just because they're skinny, they think, that, you know, they have a low body fat. I had a girl come in who was under 120 pounds. You know, she was just a rail and she was at 26% body fat. And when I told her that number, she's like, no way, that's impossible. And I said, well, no, these are the numbers. We do do a nine side pinch uh, test. So it's pretty accurate. And but she said that her last trainer, he did the the scan, the body scan, the one where you right? hold in front the front of you, yeah, oh or whatever, God. whatever it is, where you hold the handles and I hate just, those. and they obviously aren't that accurate, but it had her at like thirteen or fourteen percent, and I said, no, you're you're definitely not thirteen or fourteen percent, you're yeah. far from it. So um, a lot of people out there, you're, it's a scam. It really is a scam. It's not uh, it's not healthy, um, especially in the long run. It will get you the desired uh, weight loss. But at what cost? And that's what we try to inform yeah. people is, you know, uh, and they also work you out way too hard. A lot of people end up getting hurt. You know, I, I'm sorry, but you're a, there's no way you should be having bicep tendonitis when you're just sitting there lifting 15-pound dumbbells all the time. Um, you know, and they just do it constantly. Yeah. And uh, there, there's just there's, – there's no rhyme or reason to uh, – why they're doing it, they, the trainers just know where the people who are running it know that this is going to make them lose weight and they don't really care how because it's, they're just trying to make money. Yeah. So we're not really, we're not going to do that and we're, we're, we don't advocate that and we actually laugh at places who do that. We understand they're a business, but you're not doing it for the right reasons. We consider ourselves a lot, I mean, we're not doctors or anything like that, but we consider ourselves, you know, if we're going to help people, we want to make sure, yes, keep it professional, make sure you're actually helping them and not making more issues yeah. because that's what those places give. The fitness industry is very watered down and that does a disservice for the industry and it makes people like us, it, it, it makes it, it takes away um, the professionalism, you know, and the knowledge from our industry yeah. because anybody out there can, can do this essentially, right? So what's the, what's the, a lot of people are going to think that me, we're on the same level as this transformation boot camp place that starves their people and makes them work out six times a week just so they can make $600 a pop, you know, and that to us is, that's not how we're going to do it. So there's not, there's not a lot of integrity in the fitness industry. Yeah. I think also when people come in and they're trying to get a summer body, they think that working out is going to be a certain way, but you actually need to do it another way. Like high intensity interval training, right? Is like one of the best ways to lose weight. But I see these trainers at commercial gyms just make their person walk on the the, the treadmill for like 45 minutes. Yeah, slow steady And I'm like, how how is that the most efficient way to lose weight? In my mind, yeah. you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Ever, they probably got most well, of their information from bodybuilding.com or from, you know, someone else. I mean, that's how... I mean, when I played baseball, right, our coaches made us long, uh, run long distance. When I got to professional, we're just like, why are you running long distance? We don't even run. I mean, honestly, how far have you ever seen a baseball player really run in a sport in the game? So it's just, it's 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 pointless. What, yeah. what I've noticed that they'll do, and if you look up even some vegetables or 
sources of protein. It's very common to have like the white fish, asparagus, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and they don't stray too far away from that. But most of these have to do with having diuretic uh, implications to where now they're, they're losing weight fast. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Well, you're also giving yourself everything you need to like not retain fluids. Yeah. So that's where we have the issues of, you know, lightweight, but still having some, some health problems or having tendonitis because you're not hydrated at all. Yeah. And, and so what they do is how they recycle is your time is up. Okay. Oh, man. I, I gained 12 pounds back in two weeks. You know, now they're rebounding all the fluid. They're not necessarily yeah. gaining so much fat, exactly. uh, but that's how they get them to, to come yeah. back in again. And that's like in regards to doing the treadmill for a duration of time, most most of the education, even when I was back and doing Kinesis was, hey, if you can get on a treadmill and you can talk to the person next to you, you're burning fat. You're working at 65% of your, your heart rate's uh, uh, ability, you're burning fat. Get your steps in. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they're not paying attention to a majority of your fat losses through exhalation. Yeah. Not, you're not sweating out your fat, and that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. And it's, just, it's really funny. All right. So, I would say you guys are definitely more into actually body fat percentage opposed to like looking at the number on the scale, right? Body count. Correct. 100%. Yeah. Body count. Because if your body is changing, it's going through yeah. these physiological changes. We know that, you know, it's going to be, you know, people, it's so funny. I can eat damn near whatever I want. I will have a pack of Oreos before I go to bed at night. I eat most of my carbs at night. I get the serotonin release and I sleep really, really well. Um, but I'll, I'll wake up and I will be very, very lean. Um, and people are like, oh, like, how do you get away with eating? You just have a fast metabolism. But I had to work to get my body in, to, to be able to take. I can get my, my body is more efficient now at taking the nutrients out of the foods that I eat. Even if they're garbage foods, not necessarily there's not a lot of nutrients in Oreos. I'm not saying go and eat Oreos you know, for anybody, but I have a sweet tooth. But regardless, um, the point is, is that I made my body able to not retain and get the negative side effects from that. Uh, and... Because of the way I train, because of how I'm consistently eating, I can get away with eating the things that I like to eat more often than not. Yeah. All right. So summer body, you guys train bikini competitors. Mm-hmm. So and I noticed on Instagram, you guys would have have her eat like hamburgers and chocolate cake and brownies. <laughs> but yeah. then you know yeah. the next day she would post pictures and she looks amazing. And I'm like. What is going on? Because I've done physique competitions and that was not in my diet at all. What you guys are talking about as far as the asparagus and white fish and things like that's all I ate. And now I can't eat fish anymore. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> I'm just like, you can, you can see it's like proof. Like what you guys are doing with your athletes compared to what everybody else is doing with their athletes to get lean and, you know, aesthetically pleasing. And yeah. also, yeah. not only that, they're fit and they're strong. Right. Right. And then when they get off of the, the diet, the normal diet, and they're eating just everyday things, they don't look too far away from what they look like when they were on the diet competing when they were with you guys. So, right. I, uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would say this. I would – you want to increase your muscle mass. It doesn't be size of muscle density uh, because the more muscle you have, the more calor- calories you're going to burn. Right. So – and this is probably why the high intensity interval train works very well is we're not trying to kill you in the weight room, but when you come down to interval training, you're tricking your metabolism to stay on. When you can bring up the heart rate and bring it back down multiple times, your body goes, 
hey, I don't know when I'm going to need another surge of energy. Let's just keep the, the, the furnace burning. Uh, and you can trick your body into keeping a high metabolism up to 48 hours. So when I have uh, just a, you know, a, a general member in here going, hey, I'm going to go to Cabo for the weekend, you know, but I don't want to put on all this weight. I'm like, okay, this the week of, we're changing it up. We're going to high interval training. That way when you leave on Friday, you, you're, you're telling me you're going to work out. I know you're not. Yeah. But I'm preparing your, met, your metabolic system to stay on while you're there and that when you come back you're like oh i only gained two pounds or whatever it is you know i ate all the buffets did whatever you want to do it's like perfect we got the benefit of it and we can you know fix fix that uh you know your your bad decisions on the weekend in a matter of a week or so so is this why you guys recommend back to sports performance this is why you guys recommend sprinters to eat like steak and pretty much whatever they want the week of their competition because they're doing all this speed work so they're just running real high so they can metabolize mm-hmm. pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got it. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Um, so back to uh, your guys' recommendations. Talked about bikinis and bikini competitors and just normal everyday diet. What do you guys, do you guys recommend your athletes to do dirty bulk, clean bulk? And can you explain both of those Always, us. always try to be clean always you know, as be much clean. as you can. Consistency is the key in everything. Okay. We try not to advocate too much, but we also know that there's a lot of good tasting foods out there, <laughs> you know, and they're not all necessarily that great for you. But um, benching, honestly, is fine as long as you're doing the work and staying consistent all the, on all the good stuff. You know, like people ask us, uh, we've had questions like, so what's better? Can I, you know, for drinking purposes, right? Can I, should I go out and have like a couple beers every day or should I just, you know, go and bench and binging, you know, if you're going to drink, man, pick, pick one day of the month or whatever, just go ham, go all out, get it all done. And it's not going to have nearly as much of an effect as if you were to have three, you know, four five, six beers every single night or every other night, Yeah. you know, aside from maybe a couple glasses of red wine. Yeah. Well, your body is designed to adapt to its daily activities. Okay. Exactly. So, obviously, I mean, you guys bulk regular, right? You guys eat. You, guys eat. you have to for your mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. So, I know you have some athletes that maybe all they want to do is eat McDonald's and all their stuff, but they still look fit. Mm-hmm. That's the right? hardest part, so, though, for people is to stay consistent. Yeah. You know, because they get sick of eating. We literally eat nothing but ground beef yeah. and rice every single day. And my wife can't stand it. She's like, I need something else besides that. And then, you know, I'm not, she, she, she likes to get everything, you know, put everything in there and just a lot of sauce. She's real big on sauces and things like that. But, you know, honestly, just I don't need a lot because I understand that it's just fuel. Yeah. And I'm just refueling and getting ready for the next training session, getting ready for the next competition. And uh, just try and be as consistent as you can with that. Yeah. And uh, the more consistent you are, you know, the more likely you are. Like I said, I can... I can have a uh, eat pack of Oreos, you know, every night just if I wanted to, um, but I try not to. <laughs> All right, we know his guilty pleasure. Before we wrap up, Nick, what's your guilty pleasure? What do you binge on at night? I personally like chocolate, chocolate, coconut, donuts. Those are my favorite. And I, also, <laughs> I also like brownies. I can tell you easily that I don't have a sweet tooth. He doesn't. And. I can't even have ice cream. So I eat. My problem is I have the healthy food, so I don't have the portion control. So if I know 
for instance, I t- today went to the store. I bought 60 pounds of ground beef, 80 pounds of chicken breast. <laughs> okay. But if you let me eat what I want to eat, I'll probably, I should have got 120 pounds of ground beef and then the 80 pounds of chicken breast would do. And I'll just do that in a month. So my thing is, if I'm not active enough, that's that's where that my guilty pleasure is sitting on my butt. I guess. <laughs> yeah, eating. I eat way too much. That's what it is. It's like your down downtime. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, it's more I, of a habit. Yeah, and what I try not to do, and Nick can eat. Trust me, this guy can put it down. You've probably seen him. I've seen him. I've gone to all you can eat. You know, buffets with this guy, and it's just it's a lot. And um, but for me. Uh, when I'm not, I base I base my how much I eat based off of my uh, how much I'm putting out. So if I went a week, you know, um, and I didn't really do much, I'm not probably not going to eat quite as much. But if I'm working out consistently that week or whatever, and I'm I'm I know that looking at the program that Nick gives me, it's going to be tough. Then I make sure that I'm putting it down. Yeah. So it just depends on uh, your daily activities. You know, the the more you do, the let the more you should eat. The less you do, the less you eat. It's pretty simple. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk with me and these listeners about nutrition. I think it's eye-opening, especially for me, in red meat. So I'm definitely going to take that into account and do it because you guys never led me wrong before. Athletes. So athletes. Athletes, you have to eat nutrient-dense foods. I'm sorry, but it uh, doesn't matter You know how, how altruistic you're, you're – uh, you know how, how much of a difference you're trying to make with everything. You have to make sure that you're up, your 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 performance is there. And in order to do that, you have yeah. to eat red meat, I'd rice. A <laughs> couple things. So I'd say, eat proteins to recover because of the most nutrient dense. Eat. Now, what proteins though? I red. It goes now, for me. Red, red meat. meat. This is what we. It's the most. Yes, yeah, most nutrient dense. So it has the most uh, amino complex. Yeah. It, it, exactly. So. It has everything that you need to build and recover. The only time I would say stay away from a red meat is if you have an illness such as cancer and you need to reduce uh, how fast your body is able to uh, replicate red blood cells. That's the only time. Otherwise, it should be a staple for you. It doesn't create it. It just accelerates it because it helps your body recover. Um, If you're going to have vegetables, look into vegetables that help relax muscles by potassium okay if you're going to have a carbohydrate look at something that's clean uh readily available and fast absorbing okay and so for us it would be white rice and sweet potato those are our main ones um i think there's one other thing if you're looking and you feel like you're you're crashing a lot and you're not feeling explosive during uh your your competitions we like to use highly burned cyclodextrin uh, as a intra carbohydrate because it burns very fast like uh, like simple carbs do yeah. but it has a long chain I think it's 15 bonds long Game so it's, it's very explosive and you Game can have it changer. and you don't have to worry about it being converted into fat it just burns too fast it's like putting charcoal fluid on a fire all, it, all it's going to do is make it bigger right? all these athletes out there that right there the branch uh, uh, highly the highly branch cyclodextrins that right there is a game changer yeah. that was is huge Curtis always took that along with his yeah. uh, Pepto protein yeah Pepto Pro right yeah, Pepto Pro which just tasted terrible by the way but I mean you ran a 10 to 9 in 100 you know, yeah. in high yeah. school yeah. so not too shabby right I think other than that uh, if you're going to get any salt and you're going to salt everything make sure it has nutrient value and we like to go with Celtic salt it's not washed 
you know, uh, we're not just adding sodium to retain water, but we're looking to re- replenish our body. So, right. I like it. So, final words: eat red meat, sodium, amino acids, carbohydrates, carbs. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it.